What's up, everybody? This is Jerry Ferrara, and you are listening to the Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah podcast. But I'm doing the view today, so I'm postponing my depression till after I kill it. Love the attitude. You gonna love it live, bro? Only a 45-minute flight. Uh, I wish I could, but I got generals with all the studio heads. Welcome back, everybody, to Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, the Entourage Podcast. I am your host, J.R. Hickey, coming to you from San Francisco, California. Apologies on the sporadic scheduling of these episodes of the podcast. Things have been a little weird. I've been switching between Northern and Southern California, and some news in my life is that in the next two-month period, I'm actually going to be moving to Southern California for a temporary amount of time. This is actually great news for the podcast. I'm going to be just outside L.A., I'll have the opportunity to meet with people in person, interview them for the pod face-to-face, provide a much better listening experience than this digital Skype Zoom world we're living in right now. Feels a little weird to be doing an Entourage podcast, given the climate on the internet. I am spacing these episodes out farther and farther. It is getting harder to schedule with people and harder to produce these at the clip that you guys are accustomed to. I'm doing my best, and I appreciate everyone that's reached out, expressed concern, and asked where the new episodes are. I also appreciate everyone who's been supporting the podcast. Last month, everyone who supported the podcast via the link in our episode bio, 50% of all proceeds that are going towards the podcast were going to be donated to Good360 for COVID relief. I'm looking for a new cause to donate to this month. I want to switch it up every month. There are some issues in the world right now. I'll leave it at that. I'd love it if you guys could send me some of your organizations, some of your charities, and I'll pick the best one that seems most appropriate. Just got done recording an incredible episode of the podcast with Robbie Hummel. Robbie Hummel was like one of the best college basketball players in the world when I was in college. Now, that was 10 plus years ago, but he's gone on to play for the Minnesota Timberwolves for two seasons, played all overseas in all these different countries, and just won a gold medal for three-on-three basketball in the FIBA Dames and is looking to play in the Olympics that are coming up hopefully next year. So, great dude. Had some downtime. We've been DMing about Entourage. He came on. He gave the coveted athlete's perspective, which we hadn't gotten yet. Just a really enjoyable, fun conversation. I really hope I can get him back on the pod. It's really strange talking to a guy I remember watching on TV for four years during March Madness, like in his living room about Entourage. It's just it's just such a weird thing, man. I don't, I don't know any other way to say it. Before we dive into the episode, one last shout out to all of our new monthly supporters, Matthew, Brianna, and Ethan. Thank you for donating to the podcast. As mentioned, looking for a cause to donate half of those proceeds to for the month of June. The other half will go towards supporting a little podcast about a show that we all love and enjoy. Without further ado, let's dive in. I'll talk to you guys in a couple weeks. All right, guys, my guest this week is a former professional basketball player and current TV commentator for ESPN and the Bid 10 Network. He was selected by the Minnesota Timberwolves in the 2012 NBA Draft. He's top 10 in all-time points scored for the Purdue Boilermakers, dialing in from my hometown of Chicago, Illinois. Robbie Hummel, welcome to the Entourage Podcast. Thank you for having me. I, I love Entourage, so I'm hyped to be here. <laughs> I'm hyped because in 59 episodes of doing the show, I've had on actors, I've had on sports personalities, I've had on a shit ton of comedians. I have yet to have the coveted athlete. And I know that Entourage had a big impact on athletes all over the world. 
that, that's honestly surprising to me just because of there's so many cameos with athletes and so many people that I knew growing up that played basketball were big entourage fans. So I'm honestly really surprised to hear that. But at the same time, I'm very honored to be the first one to on the podcast. The first, hopefully not the last. Yeah. Hopefully if this goes well, you'll tell some of your, your hoop friends, you know, hey, hop on this entourage podcast. What else is going on? There's no basketball on, sadly. Honestly, you're right. We, I feel like <laughs> you could probably get your, your pick of just about anybody right now. It sounds like the NBA might not be coming back anytime soon either. So uh, this would be the thing to do. Fingers crossed that that isn't the case and that the NBA comes back soon enough. But yeah, until then, let's uh, let's talk about some entourage, man. Before we dive into any episode of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, I like to get your entourage story. So when did you first interact with it? When did you first experience it? How often did you watch it? Did you watch it through the Entourage movie? Yes. Um, so I, I watched it all through high school. And I think I, if I remember right, I was like a little late to the party to where I had to catch up. And that would have mm-hmm. been done on like DVD. <laughs> so yep. it, I, I want to say like the first or second season, I had to like kind of binge it on a dvd and then i I had caught up and it was crazy because in high school now i graduated in 07 but like what we did we we went to the same dude on my high school basketball team's house every sunday night in the summer and we'd watch the episode of entourage for that week and like literally like clockwork the episodes would fly by because they're only like 22 24 minutes long and we would all like groan as it ended it was like you know it was the fastest 20 minutes that you could have during the entire course of your week so that's kind of how i got into it and we man we loved entourage like it was such a big deal to to my group of high school friends and the the high school basketball team that i played on and it's funny because for for christmas my girlfriend in high school actually got me a bunch of dvds of all the entourage seasons so I got drafted in 2012. I didn't initially go to the NBA, though. My first year was in Spain. Dude, I'm telling you, in Spain, I watched so much Entourage. It's not even funny. I mean, I wore those DVDs out. And I played That's two great. years in Minnesota in the NBA. And then after that, I played in Milan. And I, I played in Moscow as well. And, man, those always made the trip. And in Moscow, Those DVDs followed you. I've watched, I bet I've watched every episode at least five or six times. I, I, I'm a big-time Entourage fan. That is the first thing you said to me when I messaged you. You said, I've seen every episode six to ten times. I would love to do the show. We're super happy to have you. Uh, Can't wait to dive into this week's episode, episode four of season five, Fire Sale. First aired on Sunday, September 28th, 2008. Super sad because I don't have any basketball news around this time. September, usually a very dead month for both professional and college basketball i i dove deep on the wikipedia archives there's nothing there's zero professional basketball news from this month i don't know there's two things that happened one in science and one in like crime which which is which is more interesting for you to hear let's go with crime crime i'm going crime. crime let's do crime okay just a few days later on this week friday october 3rd a jury convicted retired american football player O.J. Simpson of armed robbery and kidnapping in the city of Las Vegas. It was 13 years to the day after he was acquitted of killing his ex-wife and her friend in Los Angeles. So some justice was served with the guy, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, they finally got him. That's, that's for sure. 
what were you doing in 2008? So it was your sophomore year? It would year? have been like, so if it was September of 2008, that would have been the start of my sophomore year. I guarantee you we watched, like the, the guys on the, the Purdue basketball team, it, same thing. Like we always watched Entourage. So I guarantee you that we were watching. Um, but I, I would have been, you know, coming off a of freshman season where we almost won the Big Ten. And I remember we a team that was kind of like hoping we could win the league. And I, honestly, we, we got off to a really shitty start in Big Ten play. So it didn't happen. <laughs> um, we ended up winning the league the next year. But yeah, expectations were certainly high. And, and I guarantee you, like the majority of the dudes in our squad are watching this episode. That's great. And you know what's funny is I was a. I was a year ahead of you, so I was probably a junior, and I spent a lot of time traveling to schools in Indiana. So I had friends at IU and Valpo and and Purdue, and I guarantee you I was on that campus when you guys were making your run, and a, you, the name Robbie Hummel probably left my lips at some point. Here we are, 10 years later, yeah, small, talking, small about talking about Entourage. Who would have thought? <laughs> I love it. Really quick, I'll do a quick um, episode recap for maybe those listeners who didn't have a chance to rewatch the episode before we dive into the categories. Actually, before we do that, you mentioned something to me off air and you were going to tell me this story. And I was like, no, 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 wait, wait, save it for the pod. I feel bad, but you have a really great Kevin Dillon story. Don't yeah. You? So let's hear this it. Last, uh, this was this last summer. Actually, it was in like the, it was into September, actually. So getting into fall, I, I got asked to play in this charity golf event. And I, I played three on three basketball in the summers. Mm-hmm. And that's the main reason I was down there. Um, it's now an Olympic sport. It's, it's gotten big. We've actually, we've played in 21 countries last summer. So it's become kind of big. You know, we won the world championships. We won a gold medal. Congratulations. And, oh, thank you. And <laughs> one of the guys that I play with on our pro team, he actually played at Northwestern. You might remember him. It was Craig Moore. Uh huh. Craig, yeah. Craig's the guy who got me into three on three. And he works at a, a wealth management firm in New York city. And one of his clients lives in Puerto Rico, is from Puerto Rico, and has started this charity. And this charity, initially, I, I believe it was for just impoverished people in San Juan and in that area. But once the hurricanes came through a couple of years ago, it changed to, to kind of help people recover from the devastating hurricanes that, that went through yeah. the, the Virgin Islands and, and Puerto Rico. So they have this golf event. They have all these celebrities come down. There's like auctions. There's it's a, it's a couple night thing. It's at this really nice resort in San Juan. And they were, they were going to have us play three on three for entertainment along with some of the other things that are going on. So I was able to play three on three and play in the golf deal, and, which was awesome. Like, cause I love it. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Like it's probably honestly at this point, it's probably my favorite sport to play. Um, sure. so Kevin Dillon is there and there's, it's like, this is like the most hodgepodge list of celebrities you could think of. Like, <laughs> Frankie Muniz is playing. Kevin Dillon is playing. Plexico Burris is playing. Santonio Holmes. Um, wow. Like, it's like the most random. There's a bunch of Puerto Rican baseball players. So, like, Carlos uh, Beltran was there. Carlos Delgado was there. Um, who else? Oh, the, if you watch Prison Break, the guy that plays Sucre, I forget his <laughs> name, but he was there. Like, it was hilarious. Like, it was super funny. It was a very eclectic group of people. From Super Bowl MVPs all the way to bums like me who play, <laughs> play three and three basketball. Gold medalist bums. Remember that. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I, well, some of the guys, Craig had been there before and he'd hung out with Kevin Dillon. And it, the funny thing is like, we called him Kevin to his face, but like, to me, he's drama. Yeah. Like, and he, he, I just could not get that out of my mind. Like I, 
I didn't call him drama, but if I was talking about him to Craig or, or one of the other guys that was there to play with us, it, it was, we were talking about him as drama. Yeah. And so I, I get to meet him. He's super nice. He's there with his girlfriend. And I, I mean, he was really, really a nice guy. And this is probably a super annoying thing to him, but I was like, all right, like, give me your best entourage story. Oh man. That is fanboy shit. <laughs> he like started off with, he was trying to think and he was like, you know, it's funny. Cause you hoop, you know, we would play a lot on set. And he said at one point, Adrian, how do you say his last Grenier. name? Grenier. Yeah. yeah. So he said, Adrian broke his arm on set <laughs> playing, playing pickup basketball. And he, <laughs> he laughed about that. And he goes, you know what? No. He goes, you know, you know, the episode where we had the, the charity golf event where the Sloan is, is yeah. operating. And I go, yeah, absolutely. It's like the most famous episode from season six. Yeah, like one of the best episodes there. So he's like, all right. So he goes, initially, that episode is supposed to be with Eli Mann. Oh, wow. And he said a couple days before they shoot, he goes, Eli kind of flakes out, backs out, can't come. So he goes, Wahlberg's tight with Brady. So Wahlberg calls up Tom and he's like, yo, I know you watch the show. Would you want to be in one of the episodes? And Brady's like, absolutely. I love the entourage. Wow. I'll, I'll come on. So <laughs> Kevin Dillon is telling me the story and he, he, he kind of gets sidetracked and he goes, you know, how they had me hitting drives like in the episode, how I was really yeah. bad. Yeah. Well, in real life, he's a pretty good golfer. I've heard. Yeah. So, so he's like, they're telling me to hit bad drives. And there's no way I'm going to do it. I'm like, film me from the side, film me from a 45 degree angle. Yeah. I'm not going to hit a bad shot. Do a smoke so, and mirrors thing. Yeah. Make, it, really make it look bad. Yeah, this is the most drama thing ever to say. He's like, I'm literally piping 300 yard drive right down the middle of the fairway. And then I have to react like I'm hitting shitty shots, even though I'm not. And I'm like, I'm laughing hysterics. I'm like, this is such a like drama slash Kevin Dillon yeah. thing to say. It's perfect. So he goes, eventually the producer convinces me to hit a bad one. So he's like, I told myself, I'm going to really turn my hands over here. And I'm going to snap hook this ball just for the camera. And that's that's exactly what happens. That's great. If you watch the episode on the one shot that he hits, he snap hooks a ball into the into the trees. Like, so the, the, the way he was telling it was so good. Like, he was like, I'm such a good golfer. I chose to snap hook the ball. I didn't, I didn't do it on, you know, some accident. It was yeah. done on purpose. Yeah. So he gets back to Tom Brady. And he goes, you know, we're all waiting for him. We're shooting darts in a trailer. And Brady comes in, and he immediately introduced himself. He goes, hey, guys, I'm Tom. And everybody's like, yeah, we know. Yeah. Tom Brady. And he's like, oh, I see you guys are shooting darts. You mind if I shoot some? Oh, man. And they're like, no, go ahead. They hand him three darts. And he literally said, Tom Brady takes the three darts and goes, bullseye, bullseye, bullseye. <laughs> And literally goes, well, see you guys later. These guys are like, this guy is good at fucking everything. Like he is literally good at every sport. He's the best quarterback. He just came in and, and did dart. You know, got three bullseyes in our own darts. He's a really good golfer. Like he is literally the man at everything. And hearing Kevin Dillon tell that story was was pretty cool. He he was he was a really cool dude. We hung out a decent amount this deal, and he was always really fun to be around. I'm not surprised that Tom Brady is incredible at every sport he touches. Yeah, when you're right. that upper, upper echelon of athlete, I mean, also, there's some similar motion in throwing a dart and throwing yeah, a football. Yeah, there's certainly some similarities. you got to be accurate with football. you got to be accurate with the darts. So he, uh, he, he made his presence felt right away. And I, I'm glad that Kevin Dillon told me that story because I, I love listening to him talk about how he literally could not hit a bad drive. 
<laughs> and Robbie, I'm I'm glad you shared that story with us. Thank you for sharing that story. As a lot of people know now, Kevin Dillon is starting his own Entourage podcast. So would love to one day me and him sit down and chop it up about the show. He deserves it. He deserves the listens. He deserves the recognition for such an iconic character on such an incredible show. Um, wow, that's so funny, man. I can't get over that. Just, just yeah, we'll see you guys later. <laughs> Three darts. <laughs> one Tom Brady legend. Yeah. All right, quick recap of Fire Sale, and then we'll get into some of the categories. E finds himself in the middle of a bidding war for smoke jumpers when Ari announces he's finally read the script and he wants to sell it to Vince attached at the general meetings he set up that week. Eric Baltz, having promised it to Amanda and Ed Norton, but Ari reminds him that his job is to drive up the price for his clients. Eric steps it up, honing his negotiating skills and pissing off Amanda in the process. Meanwhile, Drama makes a fool of himself on The View, crying over Jacqueline, and Turtle and Shauna have to bail him out of jail when he turns his grief and his briefs on a police officer. When the only offer Vince gets is the lead in Benji, he urges Ari to let him play the second lead in Smoke Jumpers, and while it looks like E can make both Vince and his writers happy with the compromise, Amanda comes back to Eric with the final offer. Ed Norton's back with a million against two million for the script at the studio run by Alan Gray, the man who fired Vince off the sequel to Aquaman. Robbie, what was your favorite moment from this week's episode of Entourage? It has to be drama's meltdown, right? I mean, it's just hilarious to watch. Yeah. It's, it's so him. Um, whether it was him preparing to go to the view by doing bicep curls, um, or, or just the fact that, you know, he's dealing with this breakup and his coworkers are needling him and he just has a total total meltdown. It, it was funny to watch. I, I thought it was cool how they put him at Caesar's Palace right outside um of the resort. And it it, it feels real, right? Like yeah. it feels like a real episode of the view. So I I would say my favorite part of this episode had to be drama having a total meltdown. Brandon was kind enough to bring a picture of Jacqueline here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we have a photo. There this she is. The setup. Is, isn't she lovely, right? Yeah, she's cute. Come on, what, why don't you talk to her, John? Yeah, right there. Talk to her. Hey, baby. Oh. Uh, I just want to say I'm sorry. I was a little overprotective. And I miss you. I miss hearing your voice. I miss hearing you laugh. This is horrifying. Don't fucking cry. I love you, baby. Jesus. I miss you being the last thing I say goodnight to. I just want to say I love you, baby. Tweet. Tweet? What, what is a tweet? It's just something we say. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Fuck. Johnny. You would be better oh, off yakking let's on Let's go, let's go. Fuck this. Disaster. A classic, like, we've seen it coming last couple episodes. He's been dealing with the breakup, like, worse and worse. He's spiraling down. And, of course, you just knew it was coming to some sort of big public embarrassment. I honestly can't help but laugh every time drama gets in his own way. You feel bad for the guy, but you don't feel that bad because he can be such, like, a a harmless buffoon like in every other sense of the word like he's wearing a tank top and shorts on the view and it's just so funny and i completely agree with you that like an episode of the view filmed outside in the summertime outside caesar's palace feels like something that happens every year on the view for some reason right and i I think with drama too you know that at the end of the day if you stuck with it through the movie it ends up working out for him right like you see him going through all these struggles and all this stuff like it's just 
you know, you kind of laugh at it. And at the time, I feel like watching this back in 2008, you kind of felt like eventually something had to go right for him, right? Even yeah. though he's not that good of an actor, but he was one day going to get his break, and, and he eventually does. But this is pretty much par for the course for where we're at right now. Yeah. After nine seasons in a movie, they finally get him to a good spot. <laughs> My favorite moment, it's not really a moment. It's more, I liked how inside baseball this episode of Entourage was. Because, let's be honest, like, you know, you and your dorm at Purdue, me and my dorm in Chicago, like, we don't really have any insight into, like, how scripts are bought, how that bidding right. war starts, what, like, 100 against 300 means, 350 against 500, 1 million against 2 million. All of that and that device of E explaining it to, like, his, like, hick writers, Nick and LB, how that right. all works, that was basically him explaining it to us, the dumb audience. And I, and right. I like that. That was, like, a really nice device to explain some how like some real like Hollywood stuff. A hundred thousand dollars? That is unreal. You did it, E. Well, that's just the first offer, I'll be, and it's not a hundred. It's a hundred against three hundred. Against? What does that mean? Against? It means if the movie gets made, you get another two hundred. If it gets made, why would it get made? We got Ed Norton. Yeah, well, it doesn't always work like that. Why would they buy it if they don't want to make it? Now they do want to make it. What's he saying? I don't know. Ed Norton wants it, but they may not make it. Vince wants it, but they may not buy it. It all sounds fishy to me, man. Hey, Nick here. Hey, Nick. Yeah, so what's going on? Trying to sell your script just like gas. So there's no time to screw around because there's lots happening. Yeah, well, say it succinctly then and tell me exactly what's going on. All right, well, Vince is out trying to sell the studios. We have a first over from Ed Norton's company that I like to try to get more out of. Yeah, well, how much more do you think we can get? Well, I don't know. Well, isn't it your job to know? Nick. If Ed Norton wants to do it and Vincent Chase wants to do it, it seems like we can play them against each other and start a little bidding war here. Yeah, well, let's not jump ahead of ourselves. Look, I read about this shit all the time in Variety, all right? Just raise the price and get a guarantee that our movie gets made. It'll never happen. 500 Gs and a guarantee that the movie gets made. Nick, it'll never happen. Well, it seems like everybody in that town of yours loves our script, right? So guess what? You make it happen. No, I, I totally agree with you. That, that is cool because, like you said, how would we ever know that stuff? Exactly. Scripts could be bought in that fashion. And they did a really good job of using two hillbilly characters <laughs> to allow us to understand and kind of see how business gets done outside of Ari just like melting down and yelling at people and getting kind of what he wants. That must have been the writers being like, listen, a lot of hillbillies are going to be watching the show. We got to explain it. We got to make <laughs> or, it as uneducated people on Hollywood. A lot of Midwesterners. <laughs> exactly. Played by two incredible actors, Giovanni Ribisi and Lucas Haas. Like a real departure for the both of them to play these like. You know, <laughs> gun toting, whatever. Right, right. Every week, Robbie, we talked about our favorite bros being bros moments. And this isn't really like bro in the negative sense. It's more just like, what's that moment of male friendship that happens in every episode of Entourage? Did anything like that jump out at you from this week's episode? I think like the whole group bailing out drama from jail. Like... Right. Target demographic. You all right, Johnny? Another incarceration on my record. At least I'm reminded of the soothing touch of a beautiful woman. He's all yours. Thank you. Uh, when am I going to see you in a new movie, Vince? Pretty soon, I think. One brother getting out of movie star jail, the other one just getting out of jail. You got a movie, bro? Looks like it. There is justice in this world. There is more than that, Johnny Drama. I've spoken to many of my friends today, and they loved your performance on The View. Uh, do you think they'll love whacking it to his mugshot as well, Lloyd? Uh, great image, Sean. A nice. Can we go to Villa, bro? I need to drown my sorrows in some pussy. You got it. I, that's pretty good. 
that has to be the one, right? Like they, no man left behind. He gets in trouble. The, everybody's there. Sean is there. I'm <laughs> there. Um, Turtle, Turtle stuck with him through the whole thing. Yeah. Now, he, he didn't really have a huge part in this, but he's right there with drama the whole time. He's trying to get him not to melt down, but impossible because that's like you said, been building for two or three episodes. So um, I, I think that's what stuck out to me. Uh, just seeing, all of those guys and girls there. I guess the only person that we're missing is Sloan. Like that would yeah. be the only member of the bummer kind of group that's not there. And she's so in and out with E at this point, not entourage that there's no reason for her to be there. Yeah. Not a, not a great showing from Sloan this first half of season five. Um, yeah. We obviously we're huge fans of Sloan. On this no podcast. No <laughs> doubt. I, who's not? I yeah. mean, that was like every dude's crush in high school is, was Sloane McEwick, you know, all these guys that watched Entourage, who didn't like Sloane? She was hot, she was cool, like... She was rich, she was Sloan. low maintenance, and she wanted to have threesomes. I mean, <laughs> just <laughs> let me know when you find that girl out there, Robbie, just yeah. let me know. <laughs> she was every guy's dream right there. I think my bros being bros moment, you mentioned it a little bit, but they arrive at Caesars, and all of Drama's castmates are, like, making out with their girlfriends in front yeah. of Drama, which is just... <laughs> horrifying and the cures song lullaby is playing it's like swelling in the background turtle literally like takes drama aside and is like drama you all right and he says the line that i know you, you want to say later but he's like i'm a rock i'm a rock and he's yeah. literally <laughs> fighting back tears right he's a disaster is what he is what's up castmates what's up what's up dude did you bring your girl uh no no oh we thought you said she might be flying in yeah she was gonna but no she didn't Damn, we're dying to meet her, man. Yeah. I don't think you met my girlfriend, Sophia, right? Uh, no, I don't believe so. Hi. So you all brought your girlfriends, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you okay, John? I'm a rock. It's a nice moment. Turtle, you know, I had Jerry Farrar on. I've mentioned this a few times. He's all about loyalty. Like, right. you know, he's just like, hey, man, I just want to make sure you're okay before you don't and potentially embarrass yourself. And even when he's embarrassing himself, Turtle's getting mad. He's like, come on, dude. This is horrifying. Like, why are you doing this to yourself? He basically wants to, like, scream at drama. But if you think about it, though, drama had really no choice. Like, oh, well, yeah. Once the his castmates started doing this like you had to you had to say something you couldn't say nothing yeah. like i mean maybe you don't give the monologue and like but he had to do something mm -hmm. he, he could not just take it and be like like move on you know it would, it would have been horrible tv well let's talk about our least favorite moment and i don't think this is a moment for me because it was your favorite moment drama's meltdown aside his co-star Brandon just like bodying him all yeah. over live television. I I was not a fan of that. No, he 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 should have pulled a Jim Everett on yeah. Rome and like gone and flipped the table and just whooped him on TV is what he should have done. This dude uh, takes it too far and then takes it too far like six more times. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. That that was that was weak by him. And obviously they had set that up and they were trying to get him and they did. You think they'll ever give you a relationship on the show? I think they'd like to leave it unseen. You know, like I basically have a stable of women around town. Is that how it is in real life? Or well, uh, you're more of a one-woman type guy? He's more of a no-woman guy. 
So, Johnny, is there anything you want to share with us? He just got dumped. Oh. Drama's gonna hit this kid. I didn't Sorry. get dumped. Take it easy, Brandon. Okay, well, you didn't get dumped, so come on, tell us what happened. Give us a little Dr. Phil moment or something. Well, sorry, Whoopi, but no moment to be had. It's just, uh, it's tough for a celebrity to date a civilian is all. They don't get the lifestyle, and inevitably, you have no choice but to cut them loose. Don't believe him. He's devastated. He's got pictures of this girl wallpapering his trailer. Enough, Brandon. No. I'm not playing. Wow, Johnny, you really are the muscle. Come on, Johnny, just tell us what really happened. I mean, we're here for you. We everyone wants to know, right? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> To me, my least favorite moment, and this is just because I never liked Amanda in the first place. Oh, like, interesting. When they left Ari, I hated that because I like Ari so much. So when Amanda calls E at the end and tells him that she's got this $2 million offer and Alan Gray behind uh -huh. the offer, that was my least favorite part just because I don't really like her, her character that much because I, I feel loyal to Ari. My favorite female agent, how are you? Let's stick to business, Eric. Uh, do we have any business to stick to? Edward's back in. And he's bringing a studio with him. I'm about to make a deal, Amanda. The offer is a million dollars against two million for the script. Wow. What is it? I need Vince in the second lead. What? Vince is Ray the brother. I can't close. Alan Gray is buying it, E. I'm not sure how your relationship is with him since he fired Vince off Aquaman, but you can call. In the meantime, call your writers and tell them they have Edward Norton and a two million dollar offer. I'm sure they'll want to close. <clears throat> What'd she say? That's a fair that's a fair assessment of the Amanda character. I mean, she looks incredible this episode. She's a great foil for no, Ari. No, she is. She plays her part super well. Yeah. Uh, it's just that I always felt like, dude, they can't leave Ari. Like, he's one of my favorite characters on the show. 100%. But I like the idea of, like, Ari Dold, like, super agent Ari Dold, like, the one person he can't beat for some reason is, like, a strong female. It, it was yeah. nice. Like, as we know, he has some female struggles towards the end of the show, and it's it's all, it's always, it always comes full circle with the guy. And uh, I just liked, I liked Amanda as the bad guy, to be honest with you. No, I agree. Yeah, she played that role great. But to me, because of my loyalty to Ari, what was the most entourage moment of the episode? And Robbie, this can mean whatever you think entourage in quotes means. Yeah, I, I think to me, even though it goes bad, E getting a $500,000 off into the second lead, like it ends up not working out. But hearing that like go down, you're like, all right, of course, everything <laughs> always works out in these dudes' favor. Yeah. So to me, that was like the entourage moment. Um, just because I guess there wasn't a lot of good things happening in this episode. It's it's a lot of negative. And that's, I think as you get kind of later on into the seasons, like if you get into like season seven, there, it becomes kind of more of a negative show. Like it, it really does. It does. Kind of the, the prelude for that, but um, I would say E getting that offer and everything seeming to work out before it, it does. That's a really good note. And honestly, we talked about it a lot. Like we are kind of at that murky period in seasons five and six where there's still these awesome iconic episodes, but the less than stellar episodes start to stack up against yeah. them. And it's, it's tough. And I'm, I'm curious how it's going to go on this show because we're going to do all of them folks. And <laughs> I don't want it to be negative. Like, I, you know, I, I I don't want people to be like, all I do is listen to you complain about how bad certain right. episodes are. But, you know, there's some. I just think that people that were watching this show, 
the cool thing to me about it was seeing Vince do things that everybody like dreams about, right? Yeah. Like rolling around in awesome cars and mm -hmm. dating really pretty women and like living the lifestyle of a superstar. So when it started to see, you start to see the other side of that where, you know, he's using drugs and he's, he's doing crazy stuff yeah. and it, it just wasn't as fun, right? Like it's more fun to watch him go to the Rolex store and buy like eight Rolexes <laughs> or go to the, the Maserati dealership or the, the Ducati dealership and just buy a bunch of random stuff. Like mm -hmm. that's fun. But when yeah. it got negative, it, it was hard. It was definitely hard. Well, and it, and it felt like it was trying to do what every show does, which is like send their character like to the to rock bottom and try to bring yeah. them back and that's what every show was doing you had mad men breaking bad dexter you had all these like tortured protagonists in the early 2000s in television sure. and it, yeah just let, i just want to hang out on sunday night with the boys and and watch these guys sit courtside at the lakers yeah, exactly roll out in a bentley yeah, yeah exactly that's what you wanted to see 100 percent. my most entourage moment is there's a scene where Ari and E are basically motherfucking each other as they walk through the studio, like to yeah. Vince and Ari's first meeting. You really gonna try to blame this on Yes, I'm gonna fucking blame you for it. I mean, come on, you said it was an indie. You said it was small, and small people think small, so I can't totally blame you for that. But anyone with half a sense of the business would have read it and known, okay, you've got a script that's well-written about the greatest fire in Oregon history for 90 pages, and you never see it. Live inside that fire for 50 pages Boom! Home run. Oh, boom. Now it's Ed Norton's home run, you jerk off. Well, did they sell the script, you cunt face? Not yet, dickhead. Well, then it's still free, you overpaid, undersized bitch. You want to go, Ari? Seriously, let's just go right here, because you know what? You've never been hit in the face with anything besides a cock, and you know it. <laughs> it escalates. You know, Ari takes a couple height shots. It e, e makes a homophobic joke. It's just so on-brand for Entourage. Those two don't get along. They're constantly having a power struggle. And by the end of the episode... It's all fine and dandy because they, they got, you know, seemingly they got their client what they wanted. Right. No, I, I actually had that as my Ari moment. Fair enough. That, that was kind of so par for the course for him. Hating on E and then everything <laughs> kind of works out until it doesn't. But, yes, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. I mean, iconic lines, usually at the hand of Ari Dold. What was some of your favorite lines or quotes from this week's episode? My, my favorite quote was it was turtle and drama. You know, I, I think that when 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 Turtle asked Drama, "Are you okay?" and like I, you said this earlier, but Drama comes back and says, "I'm a rock." And yep. the way the way that he said it, like you could tell he's such a disaster. <laughs> like he is such a nightmare right now. He's going to go on this TV show and totally bomb it, which he does. Yeah. Um, but that, that just made me laugh. Like, and I think it, it also. Drama's character resonates more with me because of the whole just being around Kevin Dillon at that golf thing. Because he's <laughs> kind of the same in real life. Like he's yeah. he's really funny. He's he's cool. His laugh is the same. So like when when you're around him, like to me his lines are just all the more. It's just that much funnier. You know, I just I always laugh at what Drama says. He's the best. I got an Ari and E exchange that wasn't in the. Uh... Entourage moment. Thanks. Right. How'd it go? Great. How'd it go with your writers? Oh, they want 500 G's and a guarantee that the movie gets made. Sound like a bunch of idiots. Perfect clients for you, E. Thank you. That perfect like zinger. Like yeah. it cuts. It cuts E at so many levels that right. uh, right. You that can't is. help but go ooh. Kind of deserve that one. Yep. I totally agree. <laughs> that's that's vintage Ari Gold, right? Vintage. There. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That's Mount Rushmore Ari Gold. <laughs>
We talked every week, Robbie, about the music in Entourage, Scott Venner, music producer, iconic figure in television music history. We have a Spotify playlist. It's in the show notes of this week's episode. It's called Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah Music. What were some songs that jumped out at you? We add all of our songs to the playlist. I got a couple, but you can start if you have any. I, I went with Feel Me Flow by Naughty by Nature. Yep. It's when they're rolling up in the car to the studio lot and Ari's there waving the script. And <laughs> I just, I love that song. I think it's like a beat, it's positive, it's like vintage old school hip hop. <laughs> So what do you talk about in a general meeting anyway? It's general stuff, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Would you look at this? I didn't know he was coming, did you? Nope. Should I hit him? No, look, he's waving a white flag. Guess who read the script? So that, that's the one that really stood out to me. And honestly, once I, I picked that one, I, I totally stopped paying attention to the music. <laughs> I'd, I'd found my one song, and that, that was it. You're good. We'll add it to the playlist. No worries. I mentioned Lullaby by the Cure while the guys are making out with their girlfriends like a bunch of 16-year-olds. <laughs> I guess the only other song worth mentioning is Something Is Not Right With Me by the Cold War Tids. It, it ticks in right after E hangs up with Amanda when she's oh, basically right. like, yep. yeah, I bet they'll close in a million against two, bitch. And it's like, yeah. whoa. like <laughs> So a little on the nose, Something Is Not Right With Me, but you know, I liked it regardless. It uh, reminds me of the early 2000s for sure. Right. <laughs> Right, which all the music in this show does. 100%. Not a great episode for celebrity cameos. Um, you know, the ladies of The View, yeah. Whoopi, Sherry Shepard, and let's not mention, that's not for it to mention Elizabeth Hesselbach. Like, yeah, you right. know, she she was big time back then, man. She was but, like a contestant on The Survivor. She obviously is married to Tim Hasselbeck. Like, sure. They've all won Emmys various at various points in their careers for, for being hosts of The View. It's just. I wouldn't look back and go, man, that celebrity cameo of the no, View ladies. <laughs> not star-studded. I, I put Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Is who I thought was the, the, I guess, the one that stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not, some of these episodes were like so loaded. Like yeah. where, you know, you got Kevin Love and Eminem and mm-hmm. all sorts of people just rolling in, right? That, that was not how this episode was. It was really focused on, kind of the main characters of the group where it was a lot of Vince, a lot of E, a lot of Ari and, and a lot of drama. And a lot of like Hollywood machinations, like meetings yes. and negotiating right. phone stuff, which I mean, every season of Entourage has it and needs it, but yeah, you're right. Uh, and Whoopi, you know, I would have liked to see Whoopi doing something a little bit more like comedic and playing, sure. playing a character or something like right. that. That would have been. Right. So every week we talk about faces in the crowd. So this is people who might, have acted in other things, people who might have a bigger career outside of this episode of Entourage. So I want to talk, Robbie, about the two studio heads they meet with, Steve Parles and Thomas Rothman. Steve Parles is the first guy they meet with. He is played by uh, by an actor named Tim Matheson. Have you seen National Lampoon's Animal House? I have, but it's it's been a while. And I can't say that I like him super. I mean, I've seen it, but I'm not sure i remember who he played no worries but he is the smooth talking otter from animal house like otter is one of those characters when you see him once in animal house you remember the name and then he just kind of sticks in your memory and from a pop culture perspective he's that kid 20 years later no 30 years later jesus hold on let me look this dude up and see if i remember his character here 
the name is familiar. Like it's said. the name, yeah. Like his name, I know that, but I no, I I remember him in the movie, but yep. I I should honestly go back and watch it again. <laughs> quarantine, what else do I have to do? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, okay, all right. He's Animal House alone. Talking about smoke jumpers. Really? Yeah, I couldn't say this in front of Vince out of respect for him, but uh, I want to buy that script. Really? But not with Vince attached. The script only comes with Vince attached. I'll pay three fifty, and how about I toss Vince an EP credit and fifty G's because I like him. EP credit? What the fuck? Listen, he is a movie star, not a no-show producer. Oh, come on, Ari. Does Vince even own the script? Consider it as if he does. Yeah, who reps it? Who knows? And who are the writers? There's no cover page? I mean, Listen, Steve. Ari. Steve. Who are the fucking writers, Ari? Could be Gagan, could be Zalian, could be Bill fucking Shakespeare. I'll never tell. Stop acting like a child. Vince starred in the highest grossing movie of all time. You know that he can carry this movie. I love Vince, Ari. You know that. I just can't risk it right now. Well, I can't sell you the script then, Steve. Ari, come on. I'm sorry. I go fuck yourself. All right, that sounds awesome. Okay, all right, buddy. Yep, and then the second studio head is an actual studio head portraying himself. Thomas Rothman is the current chairman of Sony Pictures. Oh, wow. And at the time, he had founded Fox Searchlight Pictures and was head of 20th Century Fox. So they were, like, meeting with a fake studio head in the first scene, and they met with an actual studio head in the second scene, and he does a pretty good job. Yeah, right. But that's what's kind of cool about Entourage is that people are so into it that people that have roles like that and it's, I feel like that happened more than once in in this show where they'd be like, yeah, I'll, I'll play a, a, a fake version of this real job that I do. Like that, yeah. That's, that's kind of what's cool about this show, though. It is a glimpse into Hollywood. I bet they loved it. Are you kidding me? That Oh, a yeah. chance to actually act in something instead of sure. like green light or, you know, kill things that people are acting in. Right. And it's something that like you and I at the time in, in 2008 didn't notice and didn't no, know. I, I still had no idea. I, I just knew those guys were actors that you know they picked out and they were playing a studio head. I liked his line where he's like, once a star, always a threat. That was yeah. that was a nice touch. I, I bet he's actually said that to people in right. his career. I wonder if he meant it. <laughs> <laughs> so we've seen stars that have, have become non-threats. That, that's happened before. You know the respect that we have for you. We did head on together. It was great for you and it was great for us, okay? This movie's too expensive for us to finance with you in the lead. Totally understand, Tom, and I appreciate the honesty. I Thank actually you. I prefer if you lied to us, yeah. like every other dickhead in this town, but very refreshing. Thank uh, you. Okay. Thank mm. you. Listen to me. Tom. You'll be back, bud. Thank you. This is not forever, right? You'll be back. Once a star, always a threat, bud. Good to see you. All right, man. Thank you so much, Tom. Thanks, Harry. Thomas Rothman. Over 30 years in the film business, oversaw two of the highest grossing films, two, the two highest grossing films in cinematic history, Titanic and Avatar, grossed over $50 billion in his movies. He's won more than 150 Academy Award nominations and five Best Pictures. Pretty successful guy, I'd yeah, say. he's done all right, I'd say. <laughs> he's pretty good at his job. Robbie, how would this episode be different in 2020? Like, just the plot itself, like... Well- I think the biggest thing that stands out to me is that drama would have to deal with like total social media mm-hmm. blow up from mm-hmm. what happened. Like he would literally be the laughing stock of Twitter, Instagram, yep, all that stuff. Um, He'd be memed to death. Of would be yeah, the memes of that would be <laughs> so funny. Um, the second thing I thought of was that his arrest at LAX would probably be captured on some sort of video, right? Like. 
cell phone videos. There, there'd be footage of him throwing his pants yeah. at the police officer's face. So like that certainly would be different. But I think a lot of the episode stands up. Like those actors and agents are meeting at studios. That's mm-hmm. not. I mean, I guess now maybe they'd be they'd be doing Zoom meetings. Cause yeah, like today in 2020. Yeah, no one's meeting <laughs> <Right>. anywhere. <laughs> um, but for a lot of that stuff, it's like you know that's that's probably the same as today. Um, so I think that the the meltdown was the biggest thing to me, and then just the footage with, with the cell phone. I guess you could also say the the cast of the View would be different. Too. Yeah, yeah. But I think is Whoopi still there? I genuinely I think don't she know. Is, but I don't believe the other two are. All right, good for Whoopi. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the Johnny getting arrested thing. You know, he's gotten arrested for some pretty wild shit, right? He yeah. goes ape shit on the guy's car with the nine iron. <laughs> yeah. But this was like, I don't know. Don't you think this could have been avoided? Like, what did he go to jail for again? Like, being drunk and disorderly? Like, I don't yeah, really... Probably, like, yeah, disorderly conduct. I mean, you throw you throw pants in a police officer's face. Yeah, while well, he's on a motorcycle. It's... As you hang on a car at LAX and you're hammered, you're probably, you're probably going to jail for that. Yeah, I'd say drunken, drunken disorderly conduct. Yeah, he's not driving. I don't know. I'm not trying to defend drama's actions. Maybe public but... intox because you're hanging outside of a car. Yeah, like... Maybe. I, I honestly think, though. Let's, so think about this. Johnny's the star of like a table television drama. If yep. this happens today, he doesn't go to jail. He gets like a, war- a stern warning. They put him back in the car. His publicist releases a statement. Drama donates some money to like the police. Not very popular to do right now. And like... It's all just kind of like shoved under the rug. It's just yeah, interesting. It be interesting to see because I I feel like you go either way. I I think that that's a totally realistic scenario. Or I think that you could get a police officer that says I'm not taking that. I'm taking this dude to jail. And maybe the the DA is like I'm going to make an example out of this guy. That's true. That's true. But in L.A., you just never know. It's like that's it's they had a pretty long leash out there in L.A. You would need a good fixer in order to do that. Yeah. I don't know if Shauna's the answer. She hates him anyway. That's true. That's a good point. Too late to cut your meltdown drama. Who gives a shit? It was from the heart. It was truthful. Oh, Jesus, drama. How many bottles is that? I lost count shortly after takeoff. Oh, Christ. Let's get him home. Why? What is there for me there? Shauna, I got no girl, no love. I got nothing. Drama. When I came into this world, I had nothing. Now I'm right back to it. I left everything I had up on that stage. I just have to close on my back. Oh, maybe you should have left those two. It would have been far more interesting. Maybe I should have. Maybe I will. Oh, Jesus Christ, drama. Keep your clothes on. Hey, hey, hey what, are you, what are you doing? What the fuck? Watch me. I got nothing. Did you get I back in the it. car? Do you hear me, world? Mr. Chase, please I get back it. in the car. I got nothing, world. Drama. I got so Sixth Man Award. I do not need to explain this category to you, thankfully. So, so who who comes in with limited minutes and just has twelve points off the bench? It's funny that you say that because I'm going with Shauna. Yeah, just her Definitely. total insults to drama the whole time and her lack of like keeping him under control and ripping on him in jail and. She's, she doesn't have a huge part in the episode, but she definitely makes her presence felt. 
Debbie Mazur, she's always either MVP or sits man. She's like, you're not wearing a tank top and fucking shorts on the view drama. Yeah. Who do you think you are, Richard Simmons? Like, Yeah, good job, Shauna, because he still did it anyway. <laughs> Cash that check, Shauna. Yeah, you know what, I highly doubt that the drama is paying her. She's getting paid by Vince, I'm guessing. Yeah, he got a cut rate because she's repping Vince. She, exactly. she bills two or three hours a week to the Johnny Drama Fund. <laughs> exactly. You don't like her, but I'm going Amanda. I'm, I got a big crush on Carla Gugino. Yep. She holds her own. The scene at Cut Restaurant in Beverly Hills and it's the Beverly Wilshire no, Hotel. She is very effective. And when she tells him to fuck off, that's it's pretty good. Edward Norton is an Academy Award nominee who wants to take their very raw script and turn it into something special. If you want to go and sell it to the first person with deep pockets for Vincent Chase, be my guest. Be a piece of shit like the last movie you guys made. Wow. You're a cold bitch, huh? But here are the facts. I've got a better offer. You've got a conflict of interest because you represent Ed and you're trying to sell the script. But you lowballed us and you know it. So take it back to Ed and tell him what we want. The whole naivete thing is just an act, isn't it? You know, just a little more than you let on. Well, know this. Edward Norton is not getting into a bidding war. Amanda. We're out. Amanda. Fuck off. That is, that is some cold shit right there. I, I love that she's just putting me in his place. And he probably, he deserved it. Because yeah, and he knew he did. He's in a movie... And it's one of those deals where it's like you're doing this with your heart or your head. You know, yeah. he's, he's so in and out of this. Um, so I, I agree with you there. But again, my, my disliking of Amanda had me. I had to go with Sean. Fair enough. We've kind of touched on our favorite Ari and Johnny drama moments. Anything that we haven't touched on? No, I think that we, we hit those two pretty good. I think Ari, he was negotiating with Steve Parles, a.k.a. Otter, over the phone. He's basically like trying to like you know, maneuver Vince into smoke jumpers. Yeah. Steve Parle's like, who the fucking writers are, Ari? He's like, could be Dayton, could be Zane, could be Bill fucking Shakespeare, I'll never tell. They basically tell each other to go fuck themselves. And then Ari, like, has to play it off, like, oh, awesome, sounds great, Steve, I'll talk to you soon. It's just Ari Gold at his best, right? Like, wheeling and dealing. I wonder, like, if this is a real-life situation, does a star like Vincent Chase ever say, like, I'm cool with being the second lead after just a terrible movie like many. Like, it's, is that a realistic scenario or can you, I mean, I feel like most of the really good actors that or actresses that I like, everybody's made a movie that's totally bombed. Like yeah. that's, that's not, you're not immune to that. And that's certainly what Medellin is. But it seems like that when that happens, it kind of, a lot of those people just kind of shake it off and kind of yep. move on to the next one. Right. Whereas right now it feels like Vince is in, like acting purgatory where he oh great word yeah know if he's gonna get out of this yeah it does feel a little outdated in that way and you're absolutely right as you see so many like you know weird you know when you're scrolling you're on demand or you're in netflix or on amazon prime you just see like what is this movie that so-and-so was in like there's a lot of bad movies out there yeah like no one is immune to making one that really sucks and i don't think people realize how little time actors actually spend on movies they'll spend Four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks yep. shooting a movie that takes two or three years to make. So to right. them, it's just a aspect of it is what takes the time. Yeah. So it, it is interesting. And I have always kind of questioned, like, why is Vince at the bottom for so long and over? Like, no one even wants to, like, make a small indie with him or throw him on a TV show or something. Well, There's... Benji, they said. So uh, Benji it's true. Alaska, you could do that. Benji. Yeah, we're 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 taking some mushrooms next week and then talk about Benji. So yeah. we'll uh, <laughs> we'll see where that goes. All right, couple more questions. We're rounding the corner here, Robbie. Thank you for your time. This has been a ton of fun talking to Entourage. It's yeah, always it's fun getting 
different perspectives from different people in all walks of life. Who besides Vince won this week's episode of Entourage? Vince can't win. He wins every week. Right. I'm not sure that any of like the main characters win. True. Because right now it seems like Amanda's going to win. So That's I'm going to go with these riders. They're going to get paid. Like, they definitely are winning. Now, Nick and LB. win like in totality like they want, where they want you know Ed Norton and Vincent Chase and a ton of money. But it looks like they've got an offer for $2 bucks, and they've got maybe a studio back in it. And they, you know, they, they have good options. So I'm going to go with these clients. Especially given the fact that, like, He's the only person who read their script. They got no, they had no other bites, no other leads on this thing, and all of a sudden they're getting a hundred, a million dollar paycheck and Ed Norton attached. So, yeah, that's that's a good call actually. Um, I guess if it had to be anyone in the like crew, it, it would it would be E because he reps them right. and he He's inadvertently kind of screws his friend, but gets his writers. Well, I, think, I I honestly wonder if you were to ask the character that is Eric Murphy, would you rather get paid or would you rather help Vince? Yeah, I think he'd rather help Vince. So I'm not even sure that he wins. That's true. That's a really great insight, Rob. I, I, it's, I think at the end of the day, he's only looking out for Vince, and he just is trying to help make, build himself up a little bit on the side. You know, make himself feel kind of important. Let's be honest. And um, right. but I, I think that if he could choose being a really good manager or helping Vince's career thrive, he would go with I'm going to help Vince's career thrive. Yep. Good, great insight. So, yeah, let's give it to Nick and LB, even though we're not actually giving any awards. We're just <laughs> fucking around here. <laughs> A-list episode, B-list episode, or D-list episode, and you can do pluses and minuses. I'm going to go I'm gonna go B-minus. Okay. Yeah, I think it's it's funny watching the View stuff. I think that's cool um, with how they, they did that whole production of that because it feels real. But at the end of the day – there's a lot of negative things happening. Yeah. So that kind of stinks. That, that always kind of puts a downer on it for me. Um, there wasn't a ton of like cameos, which I always like loved in Entourage. Um, when you see like Phil Nicholson is yeah. Alan Gray's pro or, or whoever, you know, like that stuff was always really cool to me. Um, so I'll go B minus cause it was entertaining, but it wasn't like a classic Entourage episode. It's funny. Cause as a 32 year old, I'm going B minus cause I liked now the like, inside baseball Hollywood stuff. I can yeah, appreciate sure. that. Yep. As a 20 year old, when I watched this, I wouldn't say it was a D because <laughs> the view, not very relatable to me, like right. not celebrities that like I want to see or care about seeing. And you're right. Just not a lot of good happens. And there isn't that flashy, Holy shit. You got to watch this episode moment. It's not a very rewatchable episode. In saying all this stuff, I, I feel bad. I, I gotta have you back on for one that's a little more meaty. <laughs> as, hey, I, I'm available during the, the quarantine. I got nothing else to do. Absolutely, yeah. It'll be a little harder to get a hold of you when you're working with ESPN, but uh, I, I do appreciate you coming on and talking, of course, talking through this with me. So, last question, I ask this of all my first time guests, and I hope you're not just the first time. I hope you're a recurring guest some point down the road. Robbie, who are you in your own real life entourage? This is hard to answer. Because, like, <laughs> Because I'm going to sound like an idiot saying this. You're not, dude, because there's there's just truth. No I one's going to judge you. Even though I'm not, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I'm torn on that. Uh, but I'm definitely not E. I'm definitely not drama. I'm not turtle. <laughs> I, I have to be him, I guess. I, by yeah. the process of elimination, I've taken everybody else out. Um, so I sound like it's a super cocky, arrogant moron here. But I, I guess Vince. I'm assuming in your close group of friends that you grew up with, 
you're the only one that made it to the NBA. But, <laughs> I'm yeah. a... but you know what? I will say on my high school team, two two of us went to Purdue. Uh, Scott Martin played with me at Valpo uh-huh. High School. He transferred to Notre Dame. Uh, he was a really good player. But yes, I I am the the lone person from our team to play in the NBA. So I guess because of that, I have to go with with I'm Vincent Chase, even though I I cringe as I say that. <laughs> no one is judging you for a couple reasons. I ha- I've had actors comedians. I had one comedian, Adam Ray. He said, I'm Vince. And, I, and he was very confident about it. And I was like, wow, dude, that's, you know, you're coming with a lot of confidence. And he said, listen, I, I'm i the only one who has the connections to dip my friends all the cool shit I can dip my friends. <laughs> and I was like, dude, that's actually a really good way of looking at it. He's that's like, it. I'm, you know, I worked in the L.A. comedy scene. I know people. I can call people. And if my friends need my help with something, I can help them. And I was yeah. like, I, I love that perspective and point of view on it. Yeah, that's solid. That's a lot more confident than I sounded. <laughs> <laughs> I reluctantly said it. <laughs> it's too bad they didn't have, like, an athlete friend, you know? Like, where was, like, that guy that they were, like, you know, their trainer or something that they were working out with exactly. a couple episodes a season? <laughs> uh, Rob, this has been a ton of fun. No, I, I appreciate you having me on. I, I, I'd love to come back. I, awesome. I really it, so. we, we'll definitely have you back. Where can the listeners of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah follow you, find you, watch you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Robbie Hummel. I'm on Instagram at Robbie Hummel as well. Um, yeah, I work on ESPN. I work on Big Ten Network. So, and and hopefully, I'm playing in the Olympics in 2020 for three on three basketball. We're uh, we're waiting to see if the Olympics are going to happen, but uh, that would be quite the experience. So, after winning the world championships last year and waiting for the kind of everything to start back up with coronavirus, but that's pretty much where they can find me on on those couple places. Best of luck. Take care of that body. You will have a couple thousand oh yeah, oh yeah fans rooting for you in the 2020 Olympics. I appreciate it. Will do. Awesome, man. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks.